He then worked with G League squads Tulsa 66ers, Sioux Falls Skyforce, and Ledenfors. That American Germain Bird has been tapped as the chief tactician of the Green Archers. Waking up early, I'ma never be late. Writing what I want, like y'all better relay. Then we celebrating life till we better see straight. They trying to hold me back, but I'll never delay. Nah, I never delay. Nah, I never delay. Play that type of music, make them want to replay. Nah, I never delay. Nah, I never delay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Coach is Cool. We're on episode six. I have an exciting guest here today. Um, coached in the NBA G League, coached all over the world in Asia, Korea, uh, Japan. He's also been involved with USA Basketball. More recently, was leading the program, one of the top basketball programs in the Philippines in the De La Salle Green Archers. Welcome, Coach Jermaine Bird, to the podcast today. How are you, Coach? I am great, man. Thanks for having me on this uh, wonderful program. Thanks. It's really good to have you, Coach, here today. Um, first off, I usually ask the, the guests how they fell in love with the game. Where did they all grow up? Um, tell us about your upbringings um, and how you first started to fall in love with the game of basketball, Coach. Uh, well, I'm from Houston, Texas. Um, my mom, her name is Joyce Bird. She was the uh, supervisor at one of the uh, best basketball facilities in the Houston area back in the days, uh, Fundy Recreation Center. Uh, it was home of a lot of professional athletes, and I kind of grew up in the gym. That's where my first love kind of uh, surfaced for basketball. Uh, my mom was the part of Kim Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, uh, Michael Young, a lot of legendary older guys would play pickup in the summer there. So I would just watch it. I grew up in the gym and that's where my love came from. Uh, came from the love of basketball. I did a bit of research. You have siblings that played basketball too. Is that correct? Yeah, I have one older brother. He was also a part of that process. Uh, he's uh, eight years older than me. Uh, he grew up watching before me. Uh, with the mentors of Clyde Drexler, Akeem Olajuwon, uh, uh, Michael Young. Uh, you know, they all played at the gym that my mom was a supervisor at. So my brother and me got a firsthand uh, look of uh, professional basketball at an early age. And how old were you then? Do you, was that until you were like maybe 11, 12? Uh, nah, I mean, my mom worked there for about 25 to 30 years. Mm. So... My my childhood memory is just being in that gym all the way up until I was about 18 years old. I literally grew up in that gym. Uh, they just had a Hall of Fame about six or seven years ago, and my mom was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, basketball has been part of my DNA since I could remember, just to be honest. That's amazing, Coach. Um, sounds like your, your mother was a very hard worker uh, in the community. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so did you play in high school? How was that like uh, playing yeah, in high school in Houston? Yeah, I played in high school. Um, I went to uh, Reagan High School. It's now Heights High School. I played well. Started as a freshman. Uh, then I transferred to a school called Waltrip High School. It was really good. We were top 10 in the city. Uh, then after that, I went on to play uh, junior college basketball at Navarro Junior College for a year. Then I ended up in Richland junior college, uh, went to the final four, 
And then I started to play at the University of Sioux Falls in South Dakota, where I helped lead that team to the final first Final Four berth, uh, NAIA. And um, and that's when my coaching career started. So, again, as you mentioned, you, you were competing since a very young age, played at collegiate level. Um, did you always see yourself as a coach then? Did you, did you see it happening? Well, I mean, you know, no. I mean, every basketball player is thinking he's going to the NBA, you know, especially at a young age. Uh, but to be honest with you, I kind of uh, felt like I probably should have went into coaching sooner. Um, you know, like I said, I've been around the game of basketball pretty much. You know, I know the game. I feel like I know the game. Um, so, you know, I never thought I would be a coach. Uh, you know, I, I played. I was trying to play overseas. I was traveling to different little leagues trying to play and, you know, trying to make a living for myself uh, fresh out of college. Uh, and then a guy, a mentor, who also was my college coach, who is also now um, the associate head coach for the Portland Trailblazers. His name is Nate Tibbetts. Uh, you know, he asked me, he said, hey, uh, I think you, you should come down here in Oklahoma City and help me, uh, you know, coach. I think you would be a great coach. You know, you were a point guard in college. I think you have a great mind. So I think you should come out here and try coaching. And at first, you know, I was just like, coaching? Like, <laughs> All right, so that's how it started. Uh, I went to Oklahoma City uh, with him. He was a part of the Oklahoma City uh, staff. I interned for two years, and then that's kind of how I got into coaching. Interned for one year, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's interesting because um, I coach in the UK, so we get a lot okay. of students that graduate from, say, NCAA D3, D2, NAIA, um, JUCO colleges, uh, because once they've graduated, um, they either turn pro or that's the end of their careers, isn't it, uh, unfortunately. So um, a lot of the Americans come here, um, they pursue a master's degree while continuing playing, um, and then they branch out once they're in, in the UK to professional clubs in, in, say, England or even around Europe. So they're in Europe, and that's their kind of pathway um, towards pr playing professional basketball. Um, what do you was that happening back then? Was it was that quite a? Did you see any of your athletes, any of your colleagues do that? Yeah, I mean that's part. It's all a part of the grind. I like to call it. Uh, I have a. Growing up in Houston, you meet a lot of basketball players who, for whatever reason, didn't go to the biggest uh, college, uh, you know, or didn't get the same opportunities, and you know we're just all trying to make it. So that's where that gym comes back in, Fundy Recreation Center. A lot of guys to this day, they would go up to Fundy Recreation Center, um, downtown Houston, Texas. Uh, agents, uh, teams, uh, they would come down and try to find guys in the summer because the talent here in the city is just, you know, just that good. But yeah, there's plenty of people in my uh, position and plenty of people who I know do that same route that you just mentioned. And how's it like being during the pandemic? Because um, a lot of the gyms are closed right now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, a lot of the gyms are closed. I mean, especially here in the United States and all over the world, uh, COVID-19 has really, um, you know, it's hit us all. So, you know, things are still going on. You know, you, see, you still see people working out here and there as you see leagues are getting ready to start back, as the NBA is getting ready to start back. I think the CBA 
in China has already started. So, um, you know. With the with the opportunity you mentioned in Oklahoma, that was with the was that with the Tulsa 66ers, correct? Yeah, that was with the Tulsa 66ers. Uh, they were owned by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they were ran. We were ran by the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Sam Presti was my boss. Um, we did everything that they did in Oklahoma City. We were about 30 minutes away. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was a great experience for me. Uh, I was there during the time that, you know, Kevin Durant was there, Russell Westbrook was there, James Harden was there, Serge Ibaka was there. Uh, everything they did uh, at that level, we had to do um, at the, in the G League. Um, so, you know, they would bring us to training camp. We would spend the whole summer with those guys, with the coaches. Uh, at the time, Scott Brooks was the head coach. Um, we had the same terminology as Oklahoma City Thunder, the same uniforms, uh, the same philosophy, same everything. Uh, pretty much helped me, give me a foundation uh, into professional sports. Uh, coming in every day, seeing professionals like Mark Bryant, seeing professionals like uh, Troy Reaver, who just got the GM job in uh, Detroit, seeing professionals like Dale Osborne, who worked for the uh, Portland Trailblazers and Nate Tibbetts as well, just seeing them work every day. Uh, as a young coach, up and coming coach, it just it was that is valuable experience just to see that every day. And that was, um, if I got the timeline right, that was around 2009 that you started working with the Tulsa 66ers. The, it was called the Development League, right? That it's changed a lot since then. Would you agree? Yeah, it's changed. The name has changed. I mean, this, if you, my opinion, uh, the name has changed due to you know, sponsorship, but it's still, it's still the same, still the same, same league, you know, what they use the league for, it's amazing. They give the opportunity for players, they give the opportunity for front office execs, they give the opportunity for coaches, they give the opportunity for um, video coordinators to get the experience, get the training. Uh, it's not only about the players, that's the misconception. Um, when I was there, in Oklahoma City, in the G League, uh, I had about four jobs, four jobs, you know. So it gave me the opportunity not only to learn how to be a coach, but it gave me the opportunity to learn how to be a skill developer. It gave me the opportunity to uh, learn how to be a video coordinator. It gave me the opportunity um, to do some front office work in basketball ops. Um, so. And I've watched numerous personnel. I watched numerous players. Uh, I watched numerous uh, media members. All gain experience from that league. So for me, the name has just changed due to the sponsorship, but it's still, you know, still doing the same thing. That's, That's great to sense. hear. It yeah. does, coach. I mean, it's great to hear that the organization is not just looking out for the players; it's looking out for the coaching staff. And um, there's opportunities, as you mentioned. Um, it sounds like a, a great organization to work for. Um, you worked your way up. I mean, you worked up your way up to assistant coach. During this time, you actually worked with Team USA Basketball, isn't it, during the Pan Am Games? Speak more about that experience that you, that you, that you had with Team USA. Oh, it was a great uh, experience. I believe the same people are still in charge of it. Uh, Sean Ford, um, he's over USA Basketball. Um, they took our staff from Oklahoma City, from Tulsa, 
uh, Nate Tibbetts, same guys, Nate Tibbetts, myself, and Dale Osborne. Uh, and we just did what we did. You know, we had a group of uh, G League players due to, I think, I don't, I, I think it was a lockout or something, something happened where we, we couldn't take the, the, the NBA players, but we took the G League players and we still had a great time. It was a great experience. We were playing against guys like Louis Scola. We were playing against guys like uh, the Gasol brothers. We were playing against guys who still compete um, today in FIBA. So, you know, it was a great experience for myself. And a bit of history was made as well. It was the first bronze medal since 1999, I think, USA had achieved at the Pan Am Games. Was that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was some history. So, you know, that's something I'm a, part, uh, I'm a part of and it's something I'm proud of and I'll never mm. forget that. And for upcoming coaches coming up, um, you know, coaching at, say, the, the NBA, having that badge, uh, what would you encourage coaches to, to kind of aim for? How, how was that feeling coaching in the NBA G League? Um, well, necessarily, I mean, I didn't necessarily get a crack at coaching in the NBA, uh, but to be honest, um, it felt like it. I mean, I, you know, like I said, we did everything they did. We were in their facilities. Um, uh, so to young and up-and-coming up coaches, um, just, you know, just try to get better every day. I think the one knock for me is, uh, as a young coach, you know, I just wanted to be on the floor. I was just all about wanting to train guys and develop them. Um, but like I said, in Oklahoma City, um, my boss, Brandon Barnett, along with Sam Presti and Nate Tibbetts, they gave me multiple jobs. At the time, I didn't really understand it. You know, I was, a, like I said, I was a video coordinator. I was a skill developer. And I was an assistant coach all in the same year. So uh, as a young coach, I just wanted to be on the floor. I just wanted to be around the players and help them get better. Uh, but looking back at it now, um, getting to do all those multiple jobs uh, at my next stop, you know, I think I went to Sioux Falls after that. And, um, you know, we needed – we need a video coordinator and I knew how to do it. I was like, we don't need to go hire one. You just, you're set on having one vision. And, uh, you know, what I want to tell young coaches is try to be a Swiss army knife. Uh, you know, just like basketball players are try to, you know, add to your catalog. So uh, moving, say, from Tulsa 66ers, you moved on to the Los Angeles defenders. Isn't it? Speak about that transition. Oh, it was good. I had a stop before that, though. I had a stop in Sioux Falls. Oh, you did, uh, you did, yeah. Sky Force. Yeah, I, I was with the I was with the Sky Force. They're now they're now uh, ran by the Miami Heat. Um, that was that was a good opportunity as well. As I went to college in South Dakota, mm -hmm. I went to college in Sioux Falls, so it was, gave me a great opportunity to uh, work back and go back to the you know the city that I held. Uh, I grew up in as far as college. Mm -hmm. You know, helped me become an adult. So that was a great experience. After that, uh, I got the opportunity to land with the Lakers and land with the uh, LA Defenders. Uh, Nick Mazzella gave me the opportunity. Uh, I think he's still there. Uh, it was great. Uh, it was very different, but it was the same. I mean, we were in LA, so we were in the big. We were in a big city, big market. Uh, we practiced and we played in our practice arena. 
You know, it was Kobe Bryant's last two years in L.A. Um, playing for the Lakers. So you can just imagine how that was. Got an up and close personal uh, view to see him those last two years. Uh, you know, we <laughs> there, our dressing room was right across the hall from from theirs. So uh, it was a great experience. I got opportunity to work with a lot of uh, a lot of guys who could play. Uh, Josh Majette, who's playing for the Atlanta match right now. Uh, Fander Glue, who had a shot with the L.A. Lakers. Jabari Brown, who played for the L.A. Lakers. Uh, Malcolm Thomas, who's playing overseas right now, but he also played for a handful of teams, the L.A. Lakers, the Spurs. Jamal Franklin, who's over there in China, uh, just got an MVP award. So it gave me the opportunity to work with a lot of talented guys. Uh, where the Oklahoma City, it was based on development. You know, they wanted to get the guys who were under the radar kind of help them develop, uh, and they also wanted to use it for their NBA team, whereas in L.A., the Lakers, you know, they had a veteran team. They had Kobe Bryant, so um, they used their D-League team differently. Uh, they used their team to acquire a lot of talent, ex-NBA guys, um, and just let them play. Also got the opportunity to work with Jordan Clarkson uh, his first year. Uh, he didn't get to play the first half of the season NBA, so he spent a lot of time uh, with the defenders. Byron Scott was the coach, so it was a great experience. Two different, sim, two different situations, uh, but you know it was a great experience. Did you find yourself more on the floor, coach, this time rather than doing juggling different things? Uh, yeah, 66? yeah, that was another, you know, another thing. You know, I was more of a coach um, on the floor. You know, they brought me in to kind of develop guys in LA but you know still uh you know I didn't have to wait for the video coordinator or I didn't have to wait for the scout because you know I, I had previous experience with those things so if I was working with uh Vander Blue on uh decision making you know I wouldn't have to take it to the video coordinator I would just chop it up myself uh, after I work him out or before I work him out sit down with him and let him see the clips and uh it went that way in LA. And as you mentioned, um, when you're still repping Kobe at the top, um, it's it's great to see. Um, how is it like seeing and working with someone like Kobe Bryant at one point? Man, it was uh, it was amazing. Um, you know, it was amazing for me just to see him work every day. Uh, he was it was the last two years of his career, but he still had the work ethic. He still had the mystique. I mean, it literally was like watching a superhero uh, every day, you know. I mean, just the, the preparation he would put in his daily routine to practice. Um, you know, it was good for us to see as coaches. It was good for our young guys uh, to see in L.A. You know, it was, it was something I'll never forget. Never, ever in my life um, will I forget the two years I spent in L.A. I think um, it's a true testament to the professionalism of Kobe, isn't it? Even in the last two years of his career, um, he still created that same routine, still had that same drive, still had that that um, intense, you know, that that legendary status which he he built over time. Would you agree? Oh my God! It's only, you know, you know, you hear the stories and you see how great these uh, athletes are, but to kind of see it, and you know, that was just one one part of his day, uh, you know, he has a legendary story, you know, uh, he would 
come in to the facility 5 a.m., you know, work out. Then they would have practice at about 9 or 10, and then he would stay after. And then our our defenders, we would practice after, and he would still be at the facility when we would be done. So, you know, just the work ethic he had and displayed, you know, it was amazing to see. It's amazing to be a part of that's amazing to hear, Coach. Um, yeah. So how long were you with the Los Angeles Defenders? I was working with them for two years. Um, worked with them for a great two years. And um, what led your path after? Because I, I believe that you were traveling around Asia, isn't it? Um, you were coaching in Korea, in Japan. What was that feeling like? Uh, because you're you're essentially you're kind of your own boss, isn't it? In a way, you're you're independent. You're you're running your own. You know, you're you're going from camp to camp. How does that feel like yeah. as a coach? Well, yeah. At that time, you know, um, you know, at that time I was stuck in the, you know, I was stuck in between of having a reputation of uh, being a elite skilled trainer. Um, and I got a call from my agent, and he just said, "Hey, a couple teams want you to come out." in Asia and help their local players uh, get better in their offseason. You know, so, hey, I was sitting around in L.A. I was waiting. They had just fired Byron Scott. Uh, I was waiting for them to announce the new head coach who ended up being Luke Walton. So I kind of had to wait because the Warriors were in the finals. Um, and, you know, they gave me the permission to go over to Asia, and I just kind of did a tour. I kind of started my own thing, kind of did a tour. I went to some of the best teams uh, over there. I went to uh, Oregon. I went to uh, Samsung. Um, they're, all, they're in the KBL, Korean Basketball League, and I got opportunity to work with some of their younger players. Uh, some of those guys, they're stars right now in that league. Um, and it was great for me as a young coach. It, it, you know, it took the training wheels off. I didn't have anybody watching over me. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to uh, – be in meetings with anybody it was just kind of up to me i wanted to see if all the development of all the skill work of all the things i've been able to teach our players over here you know how would it translate uh, overseas uh, as you would know uh, a lot of the basketball overseas is different from how it is here in america um, but at the end of the day it's still basketball so and players want to get better so for me it was a great experience uh feel like I got better as a coach. I feel like I got better as a skill trainer. And I feel like the players enjoyed it. I always say coach basketball is a universal language in a way. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter where you play. You can kind of read and see and, and, and understand each other's game. Uh, the stars are different, but the fundamentals and the, the, the kind of game is always there, isn't it? Um, yeah. if, if you're looking at... Um, so traveling to Asia, was it quite a shock and surprise at, say, the talent and, and how passionate the, the Asian fans are and the people that are playing basketball in, say, Korea and Japan? Uh, just to, to be honest, no. I mean, I was, I was uh, expecting it. Um, the one thing that did shock me um, was how coachable the, the kids and how coachable the professionals were. Just being honest, I mean, here we have coachable kids and coachable professionals as well. Um, but when I traveled over there, I mean, it was like you could see the intensity just through stretching. You could see the intensity through a five or a ten minute ball handling uh, routine. You know, the intensity was just a little bit, you know, a little bit 
kind of come up a notch. And uh, you know, it was every day. It was from every player, uh, whether it was a girl, whether it was a boy, whether it was a man, whether it was a female. Um, so you know, that's when I was like, okay, this is a little different. You know, this is a little different. It's still basketball. It's still training, but it's uh, it's a little bit different uh, in a good way. In a good way. And I've coached in Asia as well, and, and they're very appreciative as well. Like, for example, after sessions, they would ask for photos. And I was, I was kind of surprised about that as well, because um, when I coach in the UK, uh, it's just sessions done, you know, you spot the kids or you just go, yeah, good work today. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you experienced yeah. that, coach. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm laughing, because... Uh, <laughs> I have a story like that as well. I mean, I was doing the camp there and after we got done, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, giving all the kids high fives, I go over uh, to wipe or change my shirt and I turn back around and it's like the whole camp is standing in the line with their parents wanting autographs for me. And I'm like, <laughs> looking around like, for, for me? Like, you know, so, but yeah, <laughs> very appreciative. Yeah. Mm. So, um, great stories, coach. So, um, heading back to America then, um, this probably goes on to uh, one of the, 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 say, key head coaches and lead roles that you've had in your career in the De La Salle University Green Archers. Um, how did that opportunity come about? Um, was it during the G League? Uh, describe the kind of uh, journey behind actually coaching in the Philippines. Uh, first off, I want to say rest in peace to Dundee. He was a major figure in the Philippine basketball community and business world. Uh, he was over De La Salle, Green Archers program. He actually signed off to hire me. Uh, that opportunity came about, got a call from my agent, Paul Howard. Um, and he just kind of ran down. He just told me it was a big time university in the Philippines. Uh, who wanted to hire an import coach, uh, wanted to, you know, train and help get the local players better and hopefully compete for a Final Four berth. Um, of course, I was ecstatic. Of course, you know, I did my research and I found out how uh, rich history the program had and how, you know, it was a no-brainer for me to decide to go over there so that's how that came about, and um, the experience was good. The experience was great. Uh, we didn't didn't get the uh, outcome we wanted or I wanted, but it was a good experience for myself. And um, I, I I was following the season all the way through. So it was quite exciting. Um, they brought in new mm -hmm. coaches, you know, uh, recruited very well in my eyes. Um, mm -hmm. And you guys were very confident going into the season, which rightfully so. I, I believe, you know, you had the, I believe the, the quickest guards. You had, um, uh, to me, Baltazar, one of the, the best centers in the league, I believe. Um, and I think it was very, it was looking very positive. And there was a lot of positives in the season. Um, what was it like adapting to the Filipino game uh, from America? Uh, to be honest, um, it was, I wouldn't say it was tough. It's just, um, I, I wasn't really told the situation going in, you know, uh, like you said, when I first got there, you know, I didn't know anything about the one and done rule. Um, mm. 
not to use that as an excuse or anything. I didn't know anything about wanting young players. Um, you know, when I got over there, uh, it was amazing. The culture was different. I brought in another coach, also assistant coach, skill, de- skill developer, Roland Watts. And uh, we both do a lot of training and both do a lot of coaching in the state. So when we got over there, it was like a coach's dream come true. We had our own facilities. Uh, we were just told to get the players better and ready for the season. So early off, you know, we had 20 group of 20 guys. And, you know, at that point in time, I had to choose, I think, 14 or 13. So I had already, we had already built a culture. We had already kind of had guys in place who we thought were going to play roles in the season. And then that's when I was told, you know, hey, you know, we have, a, we have about five new players that's, 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 that are coming in like June. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that was kind of shocking and that was kind of, um, you know, head, head scratcher. Um, but that's part of, that was part of the deal, I guess. So that was the one, the one, I don't want to say bad experience or bad part about it, but that was just the uncertainty about that situation. But uh, you're right. We had a great, we have the, we had the best big man, Justin Baltazar. Uh, we have two guards, we had the guard, guard play in, in Joe Serrano and Malacio and Andre Caraco. It's just uh, chemistry. We didn't have the, you know, we had it those one and done players and we just didn't have enough time to get them bought into the system to how it's the basketball was played out there uh, how the officiating is out there uh, but you know um, uh, I mean um, you had also Jamie Malonzo um, he was really really good in terms of um, I think he was mentioned I think he was UAP Mythical 5 um, very you know American style player that you get athletic long you know can score shoot the ball um, how's it like to have someone like Malonzo on your team yeah he was a joy to coach uh, you know he's going to be a star out there um, very high flyer very athletic uh, very coachable uh, young man. Um, I think the reason, one of the reasons he had, he succeeded out there is, you know, like I said, he's very athletic. Uh, a lot of Filipino players, um, you know, they probably haven't seen that athleticism in person. I mean, they might've seen it in YouTube or they might've might see it in the PBA, but at the college level, you know, him and I think Kobe Perez and Richie Rivera uh, and in Toronto, you know, that's the cream of the crop when it comes to being athletic, along with the big fella down there at uh, Antonio. So, you know, Jamie was a joy to coach, and he'll have a great PBA career down there when he gets started. It's, um, again, as you said, he was a, a highlight player. Um, yeah. And he's doing very well. I think he's actually representing Gilas now as well, which is uh, amazing. Um, as you mentioned, with the chemistry, I think it's difficult in such a short space of time especially with new additions, to get them to all, no matter how talented the team are, to get them all on the same page. Um, and I can see why De La Salle brought you in because of uh, the, the history. You know, the past two seasons, they did reach the final four, I believe, um, and they wanted to change that. You finished with an overall record of 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, To me, the games that you, that were lost, was just, were just could have been won through experience. Um, I don't think you actually played bad at all. I don't think um, I, I, I took a lot of 
positives out of the performances. It was just crossing over the finishing line, especially if a programme has not been winning in the past few years. Uh, it's hard to get that routine back. Would you agree on that? It's just more of the experience side that was closing out games? Well, you know, part of that is, part of that is true. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, nobody wants to hear an excuse. Uh, yeah. we, didn't <laughs> of course. <laughs> we didn't We didn't get it done. Uh, but, but a huge deal to a huge deal of that uh, was because of the inexperience uh, as a group. Uh, you know, out of those one and done players, uh, Jamie he played a lot, uh, and you know he he himself and myself we had just got there, so you know a lot of stuff was different. Uh, we missed a lot of free throws. We turned up all over um, when we didn't need to. Uh, and no, all that is part of basketball. So again, no excuses, but you know, that's what happened. As you said, coming into De La Salle, you, you knew it was a big reputation. Um, going into your first Ateneo La Salle game, you probably thought I'd bring it up. It's like a Duke UNC game, isn't it? Um, describe that feeling of, of coaching in that atmosphere and also coaching against Coach Tab, which is one of the best oh, all time coaches yeah. in, in the Philippines. Coach Tab, I love Coach Tab. It was a great experience to, uh, you know, compete against him. It was a great experience the two times I got to uh, play against him today. It was a great rivalry. Uh, the first, I don't want to say month, I want to say the first week I got there to the Philippines, you know, people would walk up to me and ask me, uh, am I ready for that game? And, you know, as a coach and as somebody who's not, you know, from uh, the Philippines, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. You know, it's just just a basketball game. It's just any just other game. game. Yeah. Yeah. Until um, I experienced it. <laughs> uh, it was great. I mean, it is just another game, but uh, it's more than a game. Uh, you know, it's about pride. It's about uh, two universities who uh, have a lot of pride, a lot of school pride, a lot of tradition, a lot of basketball pride, a lot of history. Um, and I was just um, amazed and thankful to be a part of it, you know, coming from where I come from. People don't get to experience things like that. And uh, it was by far one of my top two or three accomplishments or accolades in my coaching career so far. And that's, um, that's really amazing to hear, Coach. It's part of the, to me, why I invited you to the podcast, the inspiration behind your story, um, how you get to those moments, isn't it? It's, it's quite, it feels quite surreal. Um, yeah. And describe your games coaching against Tab because you said you got a lot of love for him. But he's a he's a genius in the court, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, he's very. His teams are very disciplined. Uh, that was the thing that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, in both games, we were right there. You know, I think in the first game we had a bad second quarter. Uh, you know, we fouled it too much, and in the second game, I just think uh, you know we were there the whole step of the way. But, you know, their discipline, uh, team discipline, you could tell that they had been there. Uh, you could tell that the players had been there. They had been in those situations. Um, and, again, that's all part and it's all due to the coach. You could tell they're real, well coached. You could tell that it wasn't any one player. It was about the team. And that was the thing that I and my staff was trying to, you know, get our guys at LaSalle to understand. Like, hey, 
you can go out there, one player can go out there and score 30 and you lose and defeats the purpose. But if you go out there and you have a team effort and you get six or seven or eight guys who are contributing, not just scoring, but who are contributing on the defensive end, who are getting 50-50 balls, who are, you know, getting hockey assists, who are doing other things, taking charges. And, you know, that's how you become a champion. And uh, that's what they did. How is it like adjusting to the head coach role? Because um, usually, you know, the assistant coach is the guy on the side. Um, this season, I saw you on the sideline, up and down, screaming at your team. How was that feeling, having the, the pressure of the head coach? Because it is a transition from being at AC. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a very different, uh, you know, different job. Um, it was probably a dream come true for me, I guess. Um, just my story being in the developmental league, you know, having the great coaching mentors I've had and Nate Tibbetts and Dale Osborne and Anthony Goldwire. Um, you know, I've, I've always kind of been the guy, the younger guy. I've always kind of been the guy who was kind of closer, closer to the players, who were kind of developing the players, who's kind of watching video with the players, doing the scouting report. Um, and, you know, I've always been the guy to give my opinion uh, and not really matter or not really get any blame if it didn't work. Well, this time it was a little different, you know. Uh, all eyes are on you. Uh, if it doesn't work, you're the worst coach in the world. Uh, if it does work, you're the best coach in the world. Uh, but I wouldn't change anything in the world. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to getting another head coaching opportunity uh, here in the near future. Um, and it was my first head coaching opportunity. So it was a lot of things that, you know, I would kind of do differently. Um, and I have them all sound and mental. And uh, as young coaches and as coaches in general, then you know that's how you get better. That's how you get better. You learn uh, from your mistakes. And that's the only way, you know, you can get better. You seem, Coach, like a very people's person, Coach. Um, for example, in De La Salle, I think I was reading uh, your your goodbyes and your, in a way that you, you really like the staff there, like the 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 ball boys, the kitchen staff, uh, which is which is amazing to hear. Is there any memories that really stuck out uh, outside of the basketball court that you always kind of remember from coaching at De La Salle? The little things, oh. anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I'm I'm a foreign. I was a foreign coach coming to a different country uh, with no family. Um, so you know, the kitchen staff. I don't want to call them the kitchen staff. The support staff, Miss Kathy. Uh, you know, they took care of me. Um, Boss Dundee, uh, my guy at Big Boss's Haircuts, Gerald Cinco, they took care of me. Uh, they took care of me off the court. Any needs I had, uh, any holidays I wanted to be a part of, you know, they they always looked out. Um, and for me, that made coaching and basketball easy. Uh, I think about those guys every day. Still reach out to them and check on them. And, um, you know, it was great. I had an interview with actually a former Lasalle, and he was a uh, Terrence Mustre, and he told me that that the environment, that culture they create, is like a, a family. Would you agree on the Green Arches family? Yeah, I mean it's a family, family atmosphere. Um, the school. Try, I'm trying to say say how to say this. The school. The school is a great school. You could take a degree from there. You can go anywhere in the world. Uh, 
I also have learned a lot from the people at the school. Uh, Miss Joy, uh, she was amazing to be around as well. Uh, you know, and they they all want to see current and future Lasallians and past Lasallians do well. Were you, uh, were you actually quite surprised by the whole setup at the Philippines? Because it is our number one sport. But if you don't really look into it, you wouldn't really know much about the LaSalle, UAAP. When you went there, like you said, mentioned earlier, you know, you've got practice facilities. Were you quite surprised at how everything was quite well structured and everything was in place? Yeah, I was quite surprised of how popular basketball was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a basketball junkie. I am. I consider myself to be. Out there, it's at a whole different level. I mean, basketball never stops. That was one of the things that, you know, I did enjoy about it. Uh, but that's one of the things you don't really understand by reading or doing research. You have to be over there. You have to go to the high school games. You have to go <laughs> to a UAP game. You have to, you know, you have to experience that. I mean, I was calling home, talking to other coaches, telling them about the band and the drums playing during the games. And, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're drawing up a game plan and you're coaching in a close game and those that band is playing, you know, that intensity is rising. Uh, it's nothing like that. Um, you know, it's nothing like that. And I've been to a lot of NBA games. I've been a part of NBA games. I've been a part of, uh, you know, I've been a, I've watched LeBron James play good. I've been a part of a lot of, you know, good basketball, a lot of great basketball. Uh, nothing gave me the feeling. Uh, I had last year, you know, just being honest. Those are the moments that coaches live for, isn't it, coach? No way. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Those are some great moments. Um, and it's a, that's a great compliment to the Philippine basketball as well and the culture that the, uh, the collegiate, especially collegiate, have built, you know. Um, and it's great because you said it's not just hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, that watch college basketball in the Philippines. Um, not just at Ateneo and the Sark game, but if you're in it's a UP, uh, any college team, the, the arenas are always packed. Um, so this is probably what uh, uh, what we were going to go on to, of course, in terms of uh, once the season was over, you know. Um, you guys, I can see that they all fought hard. And they had a 7-7 seven seven record, missed out on the final four. Um, what happens then after? Um, there was a bit of uncertainty, of course, um, who we're going to apply, uh, who they're going to recruit as a head coach. Uh, what was going through your mind at that time? Uh, to be honest, I mean, it was a lot of confusion. Like I said, the guy who brought me there was uh, Boss Dundee, along with Danny Siegel, who was the uh, basketball ops at the time. Um, and from what I was told, I guess they told him they were going to give him three years. So, you know, I think he thought we had some time. Uh, when we didn't make the final four, I kind of could feel that, you know, they were probably going to try to get a little bit more experienced coach. Although I didn't think that's what we needed at the time. Uh, you know, I thought uh, my staff, along, you know, Roland Watts, Danny Siegel, MC and Gian Nazario, I thought we put together a culture where, you know, we were allowing guys to play. Uh, you know, I was a newer coach. So when I first got there, I had to, you know, it was an adjustment period. You know, I had to get guys to understand, like, play basketball. Do what you've been doing uh, your whole life. You know, you're not a robot. I mean, you know, that's, I think, the difference I brought where, you know, the past coaches, I think, kind of had them in a system where they were kind of like robots. Where me, you know, I see the work that those guys have put in. I mean, we put in a lot of work 
prior to the season. Every guy that was on that team, that's why they made the team. We put in a lot of work, a lot of individual work, a lot of uh, skill training. So I would see the confidence. I've seen the confidence grow in the intro Serrano. I think the year before I got there, he averaged like four points. Uh, the kid is going to be a PBA star in the next year or two. I think, uh, you know, six guys on the team had career highs all over the board. So I just think me and the staff I brought in, I thought we were able to give those guys confidence. And I just thought we needed a little bit more time uh, for it to translate to team success. And then we had an import who was sitting out, Amadou. He would have been playing this year for us. Uh, he worked his tail off. Uh, He's kind of a big guy who can shoot. He's kind of an American big guy, but he's an import. He's a 6'11 uh, center who can shoot threes. So I knew in the back of my mind I had him in the fold. Uh, you know, we were just excited. And then, you know, reality hits. They decided to go in a different direction. And, um, you know, they still wanted me to be part of the program. They, they tried to get me to be like a skill developed coach, which is a great job. But, um, you know, I was already 14, 15 years into doing that. Um, I wanted the opportunity to uh, finish what I started there. I think the last game we played against Adamson, we won by 20 plus, 20 plus points. I mean, that would have been a preview. That would have been a preview, I think, of what would have changed. Um, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's, you know, it's a results-driven business, isn't it? It's very difficult, um, especially in the space of a season, to make an impact. I always believe you have a transition period where it's a transitional season where you have to adjust to, the, to your team. The team have to adjust to you. It looks like you build, like you said, your players still speak to you even till now. You know, you build a good relationship with them. Um, I think myself and other Lasallians were actually hoping that you stayed for another year just to prove rather than changing coaches and then having a different system now, which the players may cause a bit of a confusion. Um, but we'll see how it turns out. I think the big man you were talking about was Ndai. Is that, is that the guy? Yeah. He'll, I mean, there'll be a lot of pressure on him this year, yeah. but um, there'll be a hell of a team this year. I mean, they'll probably for sure make the final four this year. They have a lot of experience coming back. Um, they probably have the best backcourt in the league. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna take him a little bit of time. Just think think Kwame, but think a better shooter. That kid is that talented. Um, he's a hell of a worker. Um, I think he's still there. I think he didn't even go home during the you know, during the uh, COVID nineteen. I think he stayed there. He's a gym rat. Um, so you know they'll they'll be good. They'll be fine. As, as you mentioned, you know, they offered you the skills role. Um, I can see on your, I see in your timeline, you know, you've, you've already had those roles. It feels like you won't progress because, of, of course, you had the, a strong head coach role. Um, what's your plans for the future, coach? Um, what, what, has anything lined up? Um, do you see yourself coaching in the Philippines again? Speak more about kind of what's in the works. You're smiling. Oh, yeah. so it's positive. <laughs> I hope so. Um. It's, you know, I hope so. I just had a baby. Uh, I had a baby when I was down there. He's one and a half now, so. Congrats, um, coach. I miss, yeah, appreciate it. So, um, you know, I kind of felt like I, have, I had to go back home. It's not that I didn't want the skill development role, but it was just a little different. Uh, as for the future plans, I'm not too sure yet. I mean, of course, I'll be coaching. Of course, I'll be training people. Um, 
again, you know, I want another crack at being a head coach. And, you know, I would love to come to the Philippines again. I, I love the Philippines. I love the culture. I love the basketball out there. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> what what did you love most about the Philippines, Coach, uh, in your travels? When when you went there, did you is there any sp particular places that you like going to? Any of the food that you tried? Mm. Probably a, a question you got asked on TV several times. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I just to be honest, man, I'm a gym rat, so just it's nonstop basketball. So, you know, I would wake up and a, a game, a high school game would be on. I would go to practice. I would come back, an NCAA game would be on. So just the basketball part, I would go to the malls. I would go to uh, pasta places. I would, I, would, I would just walk around Manila and go to the BGC and catch some hoops. So that's what I enjoyed the most, to be honest. That's good to hear, Coach. Um, that's really good to hear. Um, <laughs> So, um, is there any advice you come up with? Because, uh, of course, as you mentioned, young coaches coming up. Um, is there any advice that you would give to coaches that I think you mentioned early in the podcast, you know, get into coaching early, which is good. Uh, kind of prepare that mindset, prepare that mentality. But is there anything that you've learned out of your experience uh, that you can give to coaches? I know there's different types of coaches, but any advice that you would take uh, that you'll give to the, the upcoming coaches? Uh, two things. One for young, active coaches. Um, you know, if you're working a player out, just try to try to be in shape. That was the one thing I learned in the NBA. You know, when you're working with elite players, man, they all want to get better. They all want to. They all want to get better. The one thing that's kind of helped me out is putting in sweat equity. What that means is, you know, rebounding and, and putting the player through a drill is one thing. But when you're doing it with the player, when you're teaching them that way. When you're sweating with them, when you're grinding with them, that takes that relationship to a whole nother level. And then secondly, uh, if you're an assistant coach and you give a suggestion to a head coach and he doesn't necessarily use it or you feel like he's not listening to you, hey, you know, don't don't get upset about it and don't take it personally. That's at the end of the day, that's your job. Your job is to voice your opinion, and it's on him, head coach or she, the head coach, uh, to use that opinion or not. Um, I meet a lot of young coaches and that's one of the things they ask like hey coach what if I, I, I see this I see that and I want to do this and coach you know so that's the advice I would have for young up and coaches young up and coming coaches thank you coach and one last question in terms of De La Salle because it's, it's, I think you had a, a great time there um, one game that really stood out for you that you that you'll always remember with De La Salle One game, to be honest, it'll be two. <laughs> the UP game where we lost uh, at the buzzer. The little guard stole the ball. We were up by one. We hit a three to win the game. And then secondly, um, our last game against USP, uh, I think we ended up winning by one at the buzzer. Uh, you know, it was a very emotional game for me. I had some personal issues back here at home that I couldn't into because we were trying to make the final four. So those are the two games that I'll always remember. I still remember those games as well. I remember the UP game. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, it was so frustrating. It was actually off a turnover, which wasn't necessary at that time, wasn't it? Um, describe that feeling when it happened and and, 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 and uh, the team, the morale must have been deflated after. 
And at that point, you know, it was earlier in the season, it was the first round. At that point, that was our very first complete game. I mean, we were, I think we led the game for a whole 19, I think we led the game for a whole 30 seconds in like 45 seconds. <laughs> you know, so it was our best complete game. I finally found the good rotation. All of our players were playing well. Top five players, top four players on every game uh, together for the first time in the season. And, you know, it was deflating. It was deflating. We were winning and turning the record and the guy hit the shots to win. Kind of deflating. But to those guys' credit, you uh, feed them the hell of a shot. We took the yeah. LaSalle team that I had. You know, we stuck it up. We sucked it up and uh, we continue to fight. I mean, in terms of recruitment, everyone expected UP to take it all the way because he signed the big players, you know. So, to me, again, it's a it's a reflection of your team. I I, I still think the Rosal team went complete, as you mentioned, and everyone's in sync and everyone's got their rotation well. Shots are falling. That's important in basketball. Um, your team was definitely a, a Final Four team in my eyes. Um, and coaching against UST, uh, against Alden Ayo, that was quite, that must have been a good experience. He's known for his havoc, you know, havoc defense, defensive mindset. How was that as well? Yeah, it was a great, uh, great experience. His guys, his teams compete at a high level. Uh, they're very physical, very well coached, very prideful. Um, it's kind of similar here in the States at the college and high school level. So for me, as a coach, it, was, it wasn't anything I hadn't seen before. Mm. Um, you know, he just tries, the team just tries to wear you down. And to be honest, my experience in the in the D-League kind of helped me prepare for his teams. Uh, they kind of play like the Rockets on offense. They shoot threes, free throws, and layups. Um, they like to shoot corner threes. So, you know, I kind of had seen that. Uh, teams in the D-League called the Rio Grande Vipers, you know, they mm -hmm. all they do is shoot a bunch of threes. You know, that's kind of how the Rockets play in the NBA. So, you know, for me, that was kind of one of the, I don't want to say easier, but for me, that was kind of one of the uh, game plans that I kind of took on my hands to just kind of say, hey, you know, I'm familiar with this kind of uh, action. You know, our guys kind of enjoyed it as well because they're, some of them were playing against a former coach. So it was two great games. And I think that's where the, the experience is invaluable, isn't it, coach? Uh, you can watch as much game tape. As, as you can, but when you actually see it and coach against certain style of plays, you can adjust accordingly. And I think that's what it sounds like you've done there. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of, you know, second to none. Like I said, that mm. style of play uh, is very effective in the States, very effective uh, overseas as well. And I think mm. Coach Alden is doing a great job at USC. Uh, he's built his program, he's built his style. Uh, he's brought his style with him. And, uh, you know, now he's able to probably go recruit the kids that he wants to play that style, yeah. to be honest. Um, and it's been, it's been great, Coach, actually. It's been so insightful talking, um, hearing your experiences from America to Asia to Philippines. Is there any shout-outs that you want to give at the end? Um, anything that you want to add? Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to you. Thank you for uh, blame, bringing me onto your platform. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Also, want to, you know, give a, I think, a shout-out to my mentors who all helped me in my journey as becoming a coach, uh, you know, Nate Tibbetts, Anthony Goldwire, uh, Dale Osborne, uh, Roland Watts, uh, you know, all those guys have helped me, Brandon Barnett have helped me uh, 
you know, be the coach that I am today. And uh, I'm just going to continue to strive and continue to get better as a coach. I'm looking forward to seeing where your journey ends up, coach. Um, and I, and I shout out to your boy, Coach Ro, because I actually have him on the podcast tomorrow. So it'd be <laughs> great to, to hear his insights as well on, on his career. Appreciate it, man. Tell him I said hello when you talk to him. I think he just landed a job somewhere. I'll let him tell you about that, but I know uh, future is bright for him as well. I'm sure. I'm sure, coach. All right, coach. Enjoy the rest of your day. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Yep. Take care. Uh, thank you again for the time. Thank you.